Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar. We have with us today Gregory Vandenberg. He is the CEO at Bankeris. Welcome, Gregory. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Juliet. So, Gregory, why don't you go ahead and start us off with uh, explaining what is Bankeris? Bankeris is the one-stop shop for everything to do with security tokens. It's a place for wealth management on the blockchain. We believe that a token is the most efficient, good, and secure way to manage your wealth. And we are the one-stop shop to do that. We offer services of buying and selling different tokens, uh, primarily focused on the security token side, borrowing and lending, and a variety of other items. And you, know, you said that with such confidence that you think this is the most secure way to, to hold your funds. Um, can you go into a little more detail about that? Because I, I feel like a lot of people because they're that are new to the space or maybe not in it think that that having tokens and cryptocurrency and things is risky. Yeah, so let me just perhaps explain for the listeners the difference between a utility token and a security token. So okay. uh, security tokens are tokens that are regulated as securities and often have an actual physical underlying, such as real estate, stocks, bonds, art, any type of assets, you know, venture capital fund, private equity fund, uh, et cetera. Um, throughout history, people have always made it more and more efficient to trade uh, personal property from one person to another. And um, what security tokens do is make that trade extremely efficient via having smart contracts deal with the entire regulatory part. So for example, if you want to buy a, a house, as you know, in almost any jurisdiction, it's quite a cumbersome process. It takes a lot of time. There are a lot of ledgers, physical ledgers involved. There are a lot of notaries and, and a lot of mailmen that have to uh, put their stamp on a document or provide you with documentation. Uh, whereas if you, you know, do this via security token, it can be easy as, as one click in, in theory. And um, smart contracts take over the role of a lot of the middleman uh, that you have currently in transactions. And this allows as well for uh, particular things that are, are, are currently not possible uh, in, in the classical system. For example, you can sell you know, a very small amount of your house uh, if, if you need the funds. So let's imagine you know, it's 2008, a lot of people get foreclosed because they pay their debt on time, they are forced to sell their entire house. Uh, if it would, would have been possible at that time to tokenize their house, they could sell you know, just a part of the house uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in terms of tokens. So this extra liquidity uh, unleashes a lot of value for the entire, you know, the entire world. And that's the vision that we have uh, at Bancorus to be the main uh, marketplace for, uh, for these types of tokens. So Security tokens are, are regulated uh, by you know, the regulator um, that covers the local jurisdictions of issuance or where the property or, or physical asset uh, is based. Um, so it's not in any gray area. Uh, it's, it's, it's covered by securities laws. 
they can be custodied by ourselves or by third parties such as ourselves. Um, so, to, you know, to that extent, uh, we believe it is the the end on be all off of the of the. Um, sorry, let me rephrase that. Uh, to, to, to that extent, we believe it is the most secure, liquid, and transparent way of owning and and trading your assets. I see. Uh, so, with bankers, you have a lot of different solutions. Do you want to go into detail about a couple of those? Yeah, the main one that we have is really the marketplace. Uh, a marketplace where people be able to buy and sell uh, these different tokens in a in a regulated way, where we work with uh, accredited uh, investors or identifiable uh, investors on the actual network. The second one I would point out is is uh, the lending facility that we have, which is fully regulated lending facility, depending on the jurisdiction that you're in, where you can actually borrow against the tokens that you have. Uh, or borrow in tokens against the cash that you have. And this allows you, again, to have extra liquidity based on your assets. That's very, very interesting. And just a, such a great new way to look at things. Um, you know, you spoke about a lot of the positives of security tokens. Are there risks and what are they? Well, a big um, one of the things that um, we are working on and we have solved, but, but some players have not solved yet uh, on the security tokens or in the token space itself is that uh, it, it's often self-custodied, which means that your assets are on the blockchain, mm-hmm. often held in a personal wallet. Uh, the wallet has a private key to it, which is a series, in most cases, a series of, of, of words that uh, you have to store in a safe place and there's a password often to it. And if you lose you know, both, both of those, then you know the, the tokens can be stuck on the blockchain forever and there's no way to uh, retrieve it. So that obviously is, is, is bad user experience. It would be the same thing uh, you know, as if a bank would say, look, if you lose your credit card, I'm sorry, but there's no way to get you know, your money. Or if you forget your PIN code, um, there's no way to get your money. And so that's the, you know, the best issue of the, of the custody that, that, that we have solved. But that, you know, in crypto is still one of the biggest uh, issues that are standing between, you know, everybody owning vast majority of their wealth in crypto uh, and a lot of institutions going into crypto and, and where we are at now. Uh, we believe that over the next several years um, that that will change. And, and you're helping people with the, with the password and token login because you said you're you solved that problem well we solve it on the, on the custody side so yeah so you would hold on to the passwords and the the encryption words that we're that we're using it's a little bit more complicated than that okay do you care to ex- expand upon that uh yeah we, we're not fully announcing it yet so oh, okay we'll, i got it <laughs> well then we'll just have to have you back on later to talk about that um what are some of the other things so you you manage over 200 thousand of the world's HNWIs since 2013. And so we, um, we actually have four-year-old business. Okay. Uh, in China, we are the largest uh, provider of wealth management software. And so that is being used on a day-to-day basis by over 200,000 high net worth individuals that uh, used our software to manage uh, their wealth, risk management, middle office, back office, uh, et cetera. So the combined assets is around $60 billion equivalent uh, that runs through our system on a daily basis. Wow, that's quite, 
quite the achievement already. Thank you. After, after that, that, you know, China is a very big country uh, with 1.5 billion people. So, you know, one has to see it in perspective as well. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the Bankers Protocol. Um, it's powered by AI. Is that correct? There are AI layers to it. Uh, we actually originally started out as a, as a company that has uh, AI uh, engines that automate certain parts uh, of the wealth management value chain, um, <coughs> such as risk management, uh, et cetera. Now, we found out uh, a few years ago that um, actually most of our engineers were busy cleaning data rather than actually training the AI engines because the firms that we work for and the different entities uh, between uh, the, the wealth management value chain, the, the, the person making the asset, the buyer, the seller, et, et cetera, um, had uh, data in different Excel sheets on people's phones, on people's you know, Oracle databases internally. It was a very uh, data messy type of uh, situation. And uh, we actually stumbled upon the blockchain uh, a few years ago before blockchain was a thing and everybody you know, embrace the term. Um, when IBM had this thing called Hyperledger and, and Fabric was one of the, you know, the first iterations of Hyperledger, uh, which was not launched at that time, but it was a private chain that we built within firms uh, that, that allowed us to create an audit trail um, for the, the wealth management, uh, the wealth management flow. So for example, you know, before you buy something, um, to, to really simplify it, it means you have to, you know, you have to fill out a lot of forms to make sure that you are an accredited investor or you're not on any blacklist, you pay your taxes, et cetera. And then the, the, per, per asset, there's a kind of a risk questionnaire for the, the company has to make sure that, you know, the person is qualified for this particular investment. And then once you make the investment, is reporting, it has to be compliant. Uh, to the laws of different countries based where you're on, based where the sale happened, based where the asset uh, originates from. And, and so anyway, a variety of data compliant things. And so um, we created a chain where whenever there was a dispute, there was an actual ledger on which people could see what happened and what did not happen. And um, we then made the step uh, last year to move into security tokens uh, where rather than creating a chain and, and manually inputting the data of the asset in the blockchain to actually invert it and have uh, move the move the asset on the blockchain itself, and so the the, the the data becomes the asset and the, the token representing the asset is is the entity that's being traded on 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 a public ledger rather than a private ledger. So that that for us was the the birth of um, of uh, a security token. That's that's very exciting and such a such a great story. Um, so let's go. It's while we're on you know security tokens and let's go into your token, the BKT token. So on the utility side, our token will be used uh, similar to a voucher. It can be used to get reduction in fees, etc. And secondly, it's similar to a membership uh, type of token, where depending on the amount of tokens that you have, uh, you'll have a particular. Uh, particular amount uh, of tokens needed to get a certain level of service, similar to a private bank where you have, you know, silver level, gold level, platinum level. Oh, I see. Okay. So that give people a lot more options as to, to what they want to purchase and how. Yeah, correct. So, so if for, let me give you a simple example. So if you're in the, in the platinum level, 
and there is a very rare asset that comes on our platform. Let's say you know you're you're in LA, some iconic LA building, or 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 a Picasso or something like that. Um, it will it will in all likelihood first be shown to the the platinum people, and then they can decide to put in a bid or buy all the tokens or have first come first their basis for this product and then what is left you know it will go to silver people and then to the to the uh to the you know the lower tiers so that's kind of how it how it how it works fantastic that that makes a lot of sense can you go into a little detail about about yourself how did you find yourself uh you know at bankerus and give us a little brief history about you i'm originally from belgium um i studied philosophy at oxford and i worked for morgan stanley in the private banking side and for um, a fund called GLG, which at that time was the um, second largest emerging market fund in the world. And uh, at, at one point, uh, I had a meeting with uh, the chairman of a, a big conglomerate, Chinese conglomerate, and he asked me what I wanted to do with my life in the in near future. And I said, look, I'm really looking forward to do an MBA. I studied philosophy. I want to study something finance related at some point. And he asked me, well, young man, where do you want to do this MBA? I said, I want to go to the States, America. That's where I want to be. And he looked at me and he said, young man, if you do that, it's the biggest mistake of your life. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Right? It's America. All the top schools are there. He said, look, MBA is not about what you learn. MBA is really about people that you meet. And so, um, you know, the network that you make. And he said, look, where is the network going to be? 20 years from now, is it America or is it China? You know, obviously, it was very biased because he was Chinese. But, um, you know, I said, you know, at that time, everybody was talking about the BRICS, you know, Brazil, Russia, India, China. Mm-hmm. And focusing on emerging markets, you know that China was the biggest player there. And so, you know, eventually, uh, you know, we focused on China. And, uh, you know, that's what we, you know, I, I left to study at the Chungkong Graduate School of Business. And there I had the idea of, of um, you know, the company and, you know, that's, that's how it started. That's such a great story. That's so funny. And, and such an interesting uh, turn because you were a philosophy major and then went into finance, basically, at Morgan Stanley. So <laughs> quite a shift for yourself as well. Yeah. I mean, there are a few, um, you know, people that, that have philosophy majors, um, you know, George Soros, is, is a famous example, Peter Thiel. Um, and then you also have, uh, you, you also have you know, Patrick Byrne, the CEO of T-Zero and, and Overstock, uh, who studied philosophy as well. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, philosophy um, and, and, and or the arts in general, I think, you know, teach you how to think. And it's a skill I, I find uh, very useful uh, on a day-to-day basis in um, managing a company in, in, in uncharted territory, which really this, this security token sphere is. Um, we're moving into a world where you know, it's exponentially different uh, to, the, to the changes that the, that the internet has brought. Um, you know, historically, if, if, if you know, they... they a lot of historians looked at why exactly you know the West became so prosperous the last 800 years, and a lot of them point at the invention of of uh, of double bookkeeping. Not sure if you're familiar with that, but um, 
you know, in the Italian Renaissance and Florence, there were people that, that sort of invented double bookkeeping where you have you know, debits and credits, et cetera. And this actually uh, made it possible uh, to have global trade, to have trade not in the same location, but in different locations. And um, this, you know, led to all the great inventions that happened in prosperity, you know, et cetera. And so blockchain, even though a lot of people say, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a database technology, you know, to which to some extent it is. But the effects, uh, you know, can can cannot be, uh, I think, underestimated, and are massively underestimated still uh, by a lot of people, and even even with the wildest dreams that now seem, you know, pure science fiction. And so, uh, you know, philosophy, I think, you know, allows you to to think about things that are perhaps not there yet, but but might be there soon, and to critically assess. You know what? What probably is the is the is the the most uh, appropriate course of action uh, in, in in the company in sort of the next several years to anticipate what is likely to become the new reality. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I, I know it makes total sense, and and I agree with you on so many levels because in this space of technology, a lot of people think, well, you know, it's just numbers and bits and and bots and all that. But it, you know, in reality, like you said, it is it is a major creative space where you have to think think about a problem in so many different angles to come up with a solution and and things are happening that you said are beyond our wildest dreams i mean this is science fiction movies was ai you know only 50 years ago and that's never going to happen and now look look at it it's it's everywhere so that's no i really like the way that you put that exactly and i think you know since the since the uh the podcast is called future tag you know i i i think that um you know, technology, technological revolutions always move in, in, in three waves, strangely enough. So, for example, if you had you know, the, the social network, you know, first you had Friendster and Friendster model. Um, secondly, you had uh, you know, MySpace. And, you know, and a lot of people made a lot of money on, on MySpace. And then the third wave was, uh, was Facebook or WeChat in China. And, you know, the whole ecosystem around Facebook, you know, with, with, with you know, Farmville, you know, and, and all Instagram and those players, you know, is, is exponentially bigger than, than sort of the, the second wave. Now, if you look at crypto, um, we're currently exiting the second wave and entering the third wave. So, you know, the first wave was Bitcoin, you know, 10 years ago, nine years ago. Um, uh, and, you know, yeah, quite a few people make money with Bitcoin. The second wave is Ethereum and, and all the ICOs uh, happening on the ERC-20 token. Uh, you know, and a lot of people made a lot of money in, you know, in Ethereum uh, in the second wave. But the third wave, which will be security tokens, which will be regulated tokens, asset-backed or, or not asset-backed. It could be land and virtual realities. It, it could be, you know, unique tokens, uh, single tokens, stable coins, uh, et cetera, that in a regulated fashion uh, will move. And, you know, it's very likely in the next several years we have 10 million different tokens that represent you know, real estate and, and land and air and any type of property, right? And, and I, I, you know, a lot of the listeners might think, oh, you know, if only I had bought Bitcoin in 2009 or, or mm-hmm. but, you know, don't worry, it's always in third wave and, and almost all the value is, is going to be in this third wave. So it's not too late. On the contrary, it's second one of day one in so many ways. So it's, it's definitely not, not too late. That's like such a great advice. So, What's the best way for people to connect to, to Bankorus? Go to bankorus.com or join our Telegram, which is t.me slash B-A-N-K-O-R-U-S. 
like Bancoris, like Dinosaurus. Exactly. Uh, well, people are going to go there and learn more. And, you know, Greg, thank you so much for joining us here today and sharing your, your knowledge and your insight and giving us a, some really wonderful things to think about. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite. That was Gregory Vandebar. He is the CEO at Bankeris. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Future Tech Podcast. This has been Juliette Lamar. We'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.